Hello and welcome back to another episode of Veach Season. As guys, we are as of right now when we're recording this, we are 20 days less than 20 days away from the NFL draft. It is getting so close. It is getting closer and closer day by day and it is Easter Sunday right now where we're recording this. You guys will be listening to this tomorrow morning on the day after Easter, but we are recording this right now on Easter Sunday night. I'm here with my main compadre, main amigo, Price Carter. Price, how was your Easter, man? It was great. My uh, my son made out like a bandit, multiple multiple Easter egg hunts. Um, I, of course, dad taxed that candy, got myself plenty, um, but it, it was great. Couldn't ask for better weather here in Kansas City. It's absolutely fabulous outside today so it was great and yeah i've already requested like multiple days off from my real job to uh be a part of the draft here in kansas city so like last day i'm working that week is wednesday and then i'm just full draft that whole rest of the weekend so i can't wait uh it, the closer it gets the more exciting it gets for sure i mean it's, it's gonna be an event in kansas city like we haven't seen in a while i mean obviously we have super bowl parades and all this sort of stuff but in the in, as far as football goes in the off season we haven't seen an event like this uh, in either one of our lifetimes. I mean, I am, I am honestly, I was this close to booking my, my plane ticket to fly into Kansas city to be in there for the draft. But unfortunately my wife is also very close to giving birth to our child. And if I was caught in Kansas city priorities. during the draft, it, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's priorities, man. But uh, yeah, I, I am super jealous that you're going to go, get to go to it price. One thing that I think is underrated that'll be nice too is like because there will be a majority of Chiefs fans there just because of it's in Kansas City, more accessible, those type of things. And the Chiefs pick last, that the aesthetic, the camera shots of the crowd all throughout are gonna still be nice and red heavy the whole the whole draft. You know, it's not like the Chiefs the Chiefs pick 18 and then everyone's gonna duck out. So I think that'll be really nice too to see a great amount of support out there. And you know. I always say the draft is the most fun because every fan base is optimistic. Every fan base gets better, right? So everyone should be in a relatively good mood. I mean, unless I see a Bengals fan, we should be fine. So if I see those darn Bengals fans, we might have issues. But other than that, it's all it's all good. We're all NFL fans. Tell those jabronis to go back where they came from and go eat their crappy skyline chili that looks like vomit. They're, I mean, yeah, they're too busy uh, putting up their fat heads of Orlando Brown Jr., the greatest left tackle to ever live. They're too busy posting videos on Twitter calling Travis Kelsey an untalented hillbilly who's lucky to have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, hasn't this come full circle? It's gone from like in 2018 where it's like Mahomes is just a product of his weapons to now the weapons are a product of Mahomes. Like it was like probably one of the best tweets I've seen like after the AFC championship where the Chiefs won and they had all those wide receiver injuries. Everyone's like, just you wait. Patrick Mahomes won't always have Marcus Kemp, Sky Moore, and um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He'll lose those weapons eventually. <laughs> it's just like full circle. Like, what are we doing here? So, yeah. Well, with that being said, Rocky's a little dinged up. He's playing a little injured this week uh, voice-wise, so I might take a little bit more space up this week, try to give him a little rest here. But, Rocky, this week we're going to start off with the news that Odell Beckham Jr., is a Baltimore Raven. What are your thoughts? Oh my gosh. Has there been a worse contract in the history of the NFL? Are well, you joking me? This guy has like 14 injuries on his on his right leg alone. It's crazy. His left leg is pristine. His if you go on if you go on, in, on draftsharks.com, you look at guys' injury history, his left leg at one point has four injuries 
on his hip alone. Like the guy, I don't even know how the guy's still walking. And the fact that he got 15 million, 15 million guaranteed for a 30 year old wide receiver who's coming off two ACL tears, who's only made three Pro Bowls in his career. Like it's all, it's all traits at this point, but the traits aren't there like they used to be. I mean, I was, I was pro Odell going to the Chiefs but not at $15 million price. Yeah. I mean, look, I'll, I'll stop a little bit saying it's, you know, a a terrible contract simply because I don't necessarily believe that there is a bad one year deal because they can get out after one year. Right. So while it is a definite overpay, the thing that I think is the most interesting was we always knew Adele's contract was going to have a lot of guarantee, uh, like potential earnings, right? Like bonuses and things like that based off of performance and health. But this is $15 million guaranteed. Last year, I just looked it up. Juju's guaranteed money was $2.9 million. Now, here's the thing. Juju earned every single incentive his contract had to offer because the Chiefs went all the way because some of them are like team-based, AFC championships, Super Bowls. Some of him are like performance-based. He made almost every single incentive in his contract. It's part of the reason why the Chiefs had to maneuver the cap sum in season to basically make money for that or make cash or money for that contract. But... 13 mil or I can't remember it was 13 or 15. Either way, that much guaranteed for Odell Beckham Jr. is ludicrous. He is not what five, five, seven times better than Juju Smith Schuster. And that's basically what that money's saying. And the other problem is, is like, okay, you want to talk about it from the Chiefs element. If you're thinking that Odell's the player you want and you're paying him, you're pay- planning on him hitting those incentives. You know, so like if let's say the Chiefs did this deal and they, they changed it, it was like eight million guaranteed with the potential of like 18 million and then incentives plan on paying him the 18 because of the team and the scheme and the players that surround him. So, yeah, this I'm entirely glad that the Chiefs did not do this. This seemed like a drastic overpay. And also there's really only two teams competing for him right now. that have been visible, the Jets and the Ravens. And like Adam Schefter put out that he was going to go visit the Jets tomorrow. So the Ravens kind of full court press and got it done. And I also don't even really like the fit that much because you've got a bunch of like Mark Andrews is the true, you know, wide receiver one there in Baltimore. But then you've got Rashad Bateman injury history. You've got, and now you have Odell Beckham Jr. Injury history. There's not a true clear, no, like I would like, Odell going to a team like the Jets a little bit more where he's not a primary weapon, but there it just feels like he's going to be not, you know, there's just not going to be enough attention taken off of him to really succeed. I thought part of the reason why he did so well with the Rams in that short stance because he had Cooper Cup taking away most of the coverage. And I don't think given Lamar and Mark Andrews, I'm not necessarily sure that that's what he's going to be getting in Baltimore. No, and I think what this does show is that Baltimore, I don't think they go for Odell if they're planning on moving forward with Tyler Huntley as their starting quarterback. I think that they're planning on Lamar being the quarterback next year, and they're either going to work something out or they're going to make him play under the franchise tag. Because here's the thing is Lamar has no leverage in this situation. Um, and so I don't think they go out and get Odell. They don't think Lamar is going to be the quarterback. But then that being said, Lamar doesn't throw to wide receivers. He throws to Mark Andrews. He throws to tight ends, but he doesn't really throw to wide receivers. And so I don't know, man. It's This just seems like one of the worst overpays that I can remember in history. This, this, this doesn't seem like a Ravens contract. It seems like something that the Raiders or another laughingstock organization would do, you know, and I, I, I don't get it. I mean, you know what? God bless you, Odell. You got you've, you've gotten more money for the least amount of production 
in NFL history, I think. And so go out there, get another 500 yards this year, and then sign for $15 million with another team next year. Like, God bless you. If teams are stupid enough to keep giving you this money, then go get it. Reasonable take here. Like, let's set some training wheels on this, put the bumpers up on the bowling alley here. The current version of Lamar Jackson, not 2019 Lamar Jackson, compared to what Baker Mayfield was in Cleveland. What's the difference right now? Injury history and everything aside, how big is that gap? It's not that big. Because of Lamar's injury history, his likelihood to get injured, and the value he adds in the running game, that doesn't help Odell Beckham Jr. Sure, you can say like, oh, well, they buy down play action more and all those type of things, but that doesn't turn into more numbers for Odell. This is still a one-year deal for Odell. He's still trying to go out and get paid again is what he's doing. I I just see very few paths to this really working out that well for them. And yeah, I wonder what this means for the Lamar situation. Like if, you know, if they're thinking that this helps them retain him or whatnot. I mean, it's always been the most likely situation that he was going to return to Baltimore um, just because they have the most infrastructure in place to support him. And they don't have to give up picks to sign him, but he's going to have to come down to planet Earth for his contract negotiations and maybe, you know, perhaps hire an agent like the rest of the NFL and not a guy who sells gyms that that fold up into the back of your car. So, yeah, it's interesting from the Chiefs element, though, I'll say this. I'm certainly glad the Chiefs didn't do it. And you got to appreciate Brett Veach for having a number. And I'm I have no ill will towards him, just like, you know, the. The Cardinals floating out a second-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. Who knows how where, how that ends up? But if this is the asking price for Odell, hard pass. Yeah, I mean, it, it hard pass, hard pass all day long. I will say this about Lamar and the Baker comparison. I think Lamar is light years better of a playmaker than Baker, but Lamar's playmaking ability doesn't help the wide receivers. Lamar's ability to run the ball and to make plays and extend plays and to scramble and get yards doesn't help out the wide receivers at all, you know? And so Lamar being a better football player, a much better football player, in my opinion, I know we might differ on this one price, but Lamar's a much better football player than, than Baker, but he's not a much better passer than Baker. And that's the difference because as far as Odell's concerned, all that matters is how, is how Lamar passes. And it's, it's just not going to help him out there. Yeah, it, it, it will be interesting. I was kind of, I was interested in the Jets fit too, just because they're starting to get a lot of mouths to feed there. But yeah, I it, it's it's fascinating. I'll, it'll be really interesting to see if you know he's like punching field goal place kicking nets this off season or not. I, I for a player who has a little bit of off the field baggage too, I just I just really wonder about it because I fully expect unless Lamar Jackson somehow reaches an extension, he's not going to be at camp. And he's probably not going to play well because he's not going to be at camp. And oh, by the way, they have a new offensive coordinator and Todd Munkin in a system that he's never run before and a system that's not really been tailored to a player like Lamar Jackson, like Greg Roman's system was. So, yeah, I this has potential dumpster fire written all over it. Now, who knows? Maybe they could be wrong. Maybe they'll you know sneak up and get third in the division or something. Obviously, that division has got a lot of really good teams. And I think, you know, the Steelers are always tough. The Browns are kind of all in for this year and on paper technically have the better quarterback as a passer. So, and then, you know, the Bengals have went to two AFC championship games, so we shall see, but let's, uh, let's move on here. Rocky. We're going to talk a little bit about the chiefs that are the players that the chiefs have brought in for top 30 visits. The first name is Anton Harrison. In fact, all these names excite me. This one really excites me. Anton Harrison. Are you, uh, 
are you excited about the potential Anton Harrison fit to the Chiefs? I think that he's the only pure left tackle that might be there when the Chiefs when the Chiefs uh, draft that's worth a first round draft pick. Um, I think the sky's the limit for Anton Harrison. He has all the tools that you want. I think that he would round out a really nice offensive line. I think he still does struggle to handle the bull rush a little bit, and that's something that he has verbally said that he went into this offseason focusing on something that he needs to that he needed to address because it, it showed up on tape to the point that people mentioned it to him. Um, that being said, he's great. He's great at pass blocking. He, he, he moves pretty well in space. He's got good recovery ability. Um, he's got the body that you want to see in an NFL left tackle. And he even has a little bit of like room to even add on some more, some, some more like good weight. Like, you know, like, like that's the thing with like, um, Orlando Brown Jr. He was a big guy, but he had a lot of bad weight on him, right? Just he was really soft through the midsection. If you if you watched him, and you see some of these linemen that are coming out, and they're just built like tanks, man. And I think that Anton Harrison, he's he's built like a tank, but he even has more room to add on some more good weight as well. So I'm super excited about this one. If the Chiefs took Anton Harrison at 31, it gives them the best offensive line in football, hands down. I think, and it's just you know, choose your poison on, on whatever game plan you want to run on Sunday. If you want to set, if you want to pass set and, and, and give Patrick Mahomes all day to throw the ball, go ahead. But you also have the road graders at that point to just run the ball down a team's throat, which we know Andy Reid will never do, but the options there, right. And spurts if you need to. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked on Anton Harrison. Yeah. Ditto everything you said. Another thing that I think you don't, you don't, not draft Anton Harrison because you told Jawan Taylor there was a chance he was going to play left tackle. To me, the way that that came out very much kind of felt like if you remember in 2020, the Chiefs brought back or 2021, the Chiefs brought back Mike Rimmers and like Ian Rappaport. And like those guys are all owned by the agents, right? Like 95% of the information they get is from the agents. So like Ian Rappaport goes, the Chiefs are bringing back Mike Rimmers, their starter. And did he line up and play right tackle for the Chiefs like much at all that season? No. Like they did, he didn't, right? So I don't necessarily think like I think there was a chance for Juwan Taylor to play left tackle, and you know, given the situation, it definitely could happen. But I don't think they're doing a double position switch. Like, oh, well, we're going to move Juwan Taylor to left because we told him we promised him we would, and then we're going to switch Anton Harrison, who's not played left tackle, right tackle at all, to right tackle. I don't think that they would do that. One thing that I like though is like with that combo, you just became completely a hundred and eighty degree difference as your tackle play and what you can do. Like you can bring back the stretch zone game as far as having athletes on the perimeter who can get to the next level and really bring that part of their game back. Something that I think Isaiah Pacheco would benefit from a little bit. And then, yeah, you brought it up too. You still have the power on the inside that if you want to do some of the more gap run heavy, heavy schemes that they have done, that's still an option for them too. And I really like this too, because you're getting like, I feel like in the past, the Chiefs' strength has been run blocking and they're a passing team. If you get Anton Harrison, Joe Tooney, and Juwan Taylor on the same offensive line, not that Creed Humphrey or Trey Smith aren't good at pass blocking, but those those are three guys who are great pass blockers, and that's their strength. Now, obviously, we don't know what Anton Harrison's going to be. He could come in and, you know, just what was that? Uh, Isaiah, oh, what was he, the Titans left tackle who got drafted, which is Isaiah Wynn? No. No, Isaiah Wynn is the Patriots guy who just hit the free. I can't agency. remember. But that left tackle who just, like, didn't play 
at all. Um, guy but, from Georgia, and yeah. then he went to the Giants, and then got like kicked yeah. off the Giants or something. Like but that. I mean, he could, could completely bust, right? Anything's possible. But I really like this. Um, speaking of things I really like, the Chiefs also brought in TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnston for a top thirty visit. Is it QJ season in KC, Rocky? Honestly, I think it is. Um, I think there's a little bit of smoke to this one, more smoke than we want to admit. When they first brought him in, I was thinking, okay, they, they, they're just bringing in the, the top wide receiver in the draft on their draft board because they want to see, is there that much difference between him and maybe a second-round guy like a Jonathan Mingo or a Cedric Tillman or something like that? But now with the new Ravens news that's out, you have a perfect trade-up partner. If you if he slides a little bit and you want to go up and jump and get him, that the Chiefs could actually make the move to trade up to get a guy like Quentin Johnston. And so, obviously, I don't know. I mean, there's the, the people on the inside of the league, like the Brett Veaches and the other GMs, they have knowledge about sort about things that we don't know well ahead, way before we do. There's very well... Brett Veach could have known that Odell was going to sign with the Ravens and that this was going to provide them with an opportunity to trade up and then make a move for a guy like Johnston, right? So they said, okay, let's bring him in and let's take a look at him and let's see that like if he's on the board when in a in a in an area where we have a chance to move up and make a realistic move to go get him at say 22, you know, like 22 is nine spaces. It's not it's, it's going to cost you a bit, but it's 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 not uh, unheard of right to move up that far to get a guy um and so they bring him in and work him out and say okay do we like this guy enough yes or no yeah i to me quentin johnson makes a lot of sense if they're going to go wide receiver in the first round uh it's just if he's going to be there now who knows they might be a quentin johnson or or bust type of team you know like they're going to go get him wherever he is if they super love him i could believe it um Despite what people on Twitter tell me, the quarterback play at TCU, though it was a Heisman candidate, wasn't great at passing the ball. Um, Max Dugan wasn't necessarily the best thing for a player like Quentin Johnston and how that offense runs. I, I with the w- one thing we didn't talk about is the Chiefs did bring in um, a wide receiver this offseason or this past week. <sighs> We might have to cut this third up. Richie James. Richie yeah. James. Yes, Richie James. Sorry. Richie James came into the Chiefs here, and we signed him. He's another kind of slot-only guy. I'm really kind of wondering how much the Chiefs can pallet another team that's kind of a slot-only guy. Like, obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba would be great for the Chiefs, but I don't think he's going to be there. And I also don't think that that is a great fit for them right now with what they've got on the team. And same with Jordan Addison a little bit, too. And same with Zay Flowers a little bit too. Quentin Johnson's really kind of the only true X type of receiver that's out there. Um, I like the upside. It's interesting. You know, the Chiefs bringing a lot of guys for top 30 visits that they don't ever draft. So it, my guess is that he's probably gone, but there's always a couple of surprises. And if he's sitting there, I think that they would like to know if they feel comfortable taking him. So yeah, he's, he's a player with a lot of talent, a lot of upside. Um, you feel like, there's an NFL team could probably get more out of him than may have he may have gotten out of him in college. So yeah, it's it's exciting. I think he's a player that makes a lot of sense and does the things that they need him need a wide receiver to do right now and where the offense currently is. Well, and here's the thing is you heard Andy Reid say last season that he loved having Juju Smith Schuster because it gave him another big body opposite of Travis Kelsey 
to take attention away. Now there's this there's this myth out there that I think was substantiated at one point, but has 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 changed over time. That Andy Reid doesn't really care about big wide receivers. He wants like his six foot tall, 185 pound guys, his Jeremy Macklins, his Deshaun Jacksons, his you know fill in the blank. But think about it. Last year, the Chiefs went with MVS, Justin Watson, and Juju Smith Schuster. Those are all larger wide receivers. And they won the Super Bowl. When was the last time the Chiefs won the Super Bowl? Yeah, they had Tyreek Hill, but who was opposite of Tyreek Hill? Sammy Watkins, not a small wide receiver. Before that, when did Andy Reid make the Super Bowl? Terrell Owens, not a small wide receiver. Andy Reid's biggest successes have been when he has a large-bodied wide receiver in the offense that he can depend on. Now, is Quentin Johnston that guy? We don't know. Is, is, does he have the upside enough to be a true number one in the NFL? We know we can make the contested catches, but can he get the separation, right? You know, those are still question marks about him. But I'll tell you what, if Brett Veach and his team feel confident in him and Andy Reid signs off on him, then I'm okay with it and I'm and I'm on board. Yeah, and I, I also think one thing when you're looking at the Chiefs wide receiver position is the Chiefs, would they love to get another good role player in at wide receiver? Sure. I feel like the Chiefs can get that a lot of places with the current offensive system they have in place with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. I think the Chiefs need a star at wide receiver. And I think Quentin Johnson is much more likely to be that than Jordan Addison and maybe even than Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think Jack, like Jackson Smith and Jigba, the reason why he is wide receiver one in this draft is because his floor is incredibly high. But I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to be a backbreaker, a superstar, or anything like that. Now, I could be totally wrong. You know, people were saying the same thing about Justin Jefferson when he came out. And look at that. So could be wrong. But personally, I think like if we're talking about which player has the highest ceiling in the draft as a wide receiver one, it's it's Quentin Johnson. And I feel the Chiefs, given what they have in place, this is a good place to try to reach that potential. Uh, another top 30 visit was a much later drafted prospect is Jose Ramirez. He's an edge rusher. Um, and I really like Jose Ramirez. Much like uh, Cleveland Guardians, Jose Ramirez, he is a player that plays with his hair on fire. He is a very quick pass rusher. Um, has He's a little undersized, uh, but what he does well, he would definitely be a... Th- Honestly, like the path to him to being successful on the Chiefs is kind of what the Lions had in James Houston this season, where it's like, hey, he played like 200 snaps and got like 10 sacks or something like that. Like he's kind of just the odd man out. Um, I think he has some room to develop to be a true every down player, but I definitely think that he's a guy that the Chiefs could use given where they currently sit with their pass rush. And he would pair really nicely if the Chiefs do kind of get another defensive lineman early in the draft. Jose Ramirez feels like a great day three pick. I'm I'm a huge Jose Ramirez fan. The guy had the fastest 10 yard split and the fastest three cone of all edge rushers at the combine. He has 22 sacks in his college career, 20 of those over the last two seasons. Over the last two seasons, he has 20 sacks and 56 hurries. Like the man just gets to the quarterback. Yeah, he's a little bit smaller. He's six two, he's six two, two forty-two. So he's not he's not huge, but he's not tiny, right? And but man, the guy, the guy does not waste a single step or a single ounce of energy in his pass rush. Everything is efficient and he gets to the quarterback. Now you want to say small schools, you want to, you know, small production, you know, blah, 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 whatever. 
the guy dominated at the level of competition that he played against. You can only beat the guys that are put in front of you, and he beat them every. He beat them on a very, very consistent basis. So yeah, sign me up for Jose Ramirez. I think that he would be a great rotational pass rusher, and he would round out this pass rush very nicely. Yeah, agree. I, I think he's a, like I said, he's a player that makes sense. Wouldn't shock me if his name was called at the end of day two, but likely a day three guy. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to transition into a little activity that I came up with, and this is going to be called State Your Case. We always like to see mock drafts, and when we talk about prospects, we always kind of get into this little square. We're always just kind of mocking the same players in the same positions to the Chiefs over and over again. And it's always like, oh, I think the Chiefs might take Will McDonald, or how about Felix Aduke Uzama, or what about Anton Harrison? And we just get paint ourselves into this little box box where it's like oh wide receiver edge and offensive tackle are the only positions that should be taken and it's about 10 players like honestly i feel like if we took large consensus mock drafts you see on twitter or written by uh real nfl media there the the variance is about 20 players so we wanted to do this activity where in the first or second round so the chiefs first two picks we're going to state our case for some less commonly mocked players and why we think that they actually could be a big pick good pick for the chiefs so I'm going to go first. This one came to me. I've come full circle with this player. I've come from, oh, I'm not sure that this player will be good. I'm not sure that this would be a good player for the Chiefs. I'm out on this player. I don't think she should take him at all. And I'm all the way back to the Chiefs should take this player. And here's why. At pick 31, the Chiefs called Darnell Washington's name to the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is why I'm in on him. The Chiefs have right tackle issues. This is a true statement. If the Chiefs pick at 31 and don't move up, they are likely getting tackle five or six off the board. What is one of Darnell Washington's calling cards? The fact that he's like an extra tackle. So you instantly upgrade your protection of Patrick Mahomes and pass protection by keeping Darnell Washington on your roster. Then you also factor in the fact that they have run an incredible amount of 13 personnel recently. I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that I'd rather have Darnell Washington on the field as a blocker than Blake Bell and then any of the other tight ends, Jody Fortson that they have on the roster. And Darnell Washington obviously has huge potential as a pass catcher. He just happened to play on an offense that has like a top 10 tight end and or top 10 player in next year's draft with Brock Bowers. The the potential with him is unlimited. Give him a few years with Travis Kelsey to learn the the ins and outs of being a tight end. You're going to get day one value from him just as a blocker. And we've seen the Chiefs utilize the tight end too more and more. I feel like this is the highest potential ceiling or uh, highest potential yeah ceiling that they've had in a tight end two in a long time give him time to develop it's a pick 31 you're getting a, a top two player at the position depending on how you feel about Dalton Kincaid or Michael Meyer and then you're getting impact like I feel like this is a very high floor pick so Darnell Washington to the Chiefs at pick 31 not conventional but I think it could work I don't hate it I mean he's pretty athletic you know the Chiefs are gonna have to look post Travis Kelsey at some point. I think they did that a little bit with Noah Gray, but I think we can both agree that Noah Gray, as, as good of a role player as he is, is not the the heir apparent to Travis Kelsey's legacy here in Kansas City at tight end. And so the Chiefs need to be looking for somebody else. Um, me, I'm up next. I'm going to go with I, 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 a little bit of curveball. I changed this on you on the fly here, Price, but I'm going to go with Zach Charbonnet running back out of UCLA 
The guy is just a complete bulldozer. He averaged 4.15 yards after contact this past year, 1,300 yards rushing, you know, seven yards per attempt running the ball. The guy just breaks tackles. All he does is just like you, if you try to arm tackle him, you're not going to bring him down. He's a large running back. He's not going to give you a lot in the passing game, but he's six feet tall, 214 pounds. He, 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 like, if you want a guy who, if you, and as much as I talk trash on Derrick Henry for skipping leg day and for being overrated, if you want a guy who's that style of runner, who's just going to be a bruiser and just punish the opposing team, Zach Charbonnet is that guy. And I know that to an extent, Isaiah Pacheco was also that guy, but Isaiah Pacheco, as hard as he runs and as angry as he runs, doesn't have the power that Zach Charbonnet does. Now, they would be a great one-two punch rushing the ball. Now that we would still need a third down back and a receiving who can also catch the ball. And so this does pigeonhole the Chiefs need a little bit there on the back end. But man, like fit aside, he would just be so fun to watch running the ball. Like like the Chiefs haven't had a running back like this since Christian Okoye, like a guy who runs with this much power. And so, I mean, I'm saying Zach Charbonnet, pick 63, take him in the second round. He would be an interesting fit. Um, you, you you know, you mentioned his calling cards, the power, but he's also an underrated pass catcher. He's been split out wide quite a bit as a wide receiver, 320 yards in his last season. The one problem is with him is pass protection. He's not really shown a lot there. I do think that the Chiefs feel pretty good about Isaiah Pacheco growing in that space this coming year. To me, it's partially experience, partial partial willingness and, and technique, but he would be an interesting fit. But I'll, I'll raise you your Zach Charbonnet, and I'll say at pick 31, what if I told you the Chiefs could upgrade a player on their roster who was second on the team in receiving touchdowns and fourth in the team in receiving yards? That sounds like an important player to the Kansas City Chiefs. What if I told you that player was Jameer Gibbs at pick 31, running back Alabama? Here's why. Yes, we're doing the running back at 31. Again, uh, scream into your pillow, please. Um, here's the thing. Jameer Gibbs does so much of what the Chiefs value and does them so well. His ceiling as a pass catcher is immense. His ceiling as a pass blocker is still, un- there's still a lot more room for growth there. Not meaning that he's bad, but he definitely can be a true third down back and provide value to the Chiefs as a, a runner as well. Um, he's underrated as a runner. And I truly think that the Chiefs, if you can get a running back at the slot for 31, we're talking you know draft compensation here money-wise, that's a valuable player. They're going to get a, a tremendous amount of value out of them. If you're going to keep coming back to the well to a player like Damian Williams, to a player like Jarek McKinnon year after year, and paying them $1.5 million every season – you're eventually going to end up spending more than you would be paying a pick 31. And you get that flexibility with the third year option or the fifth year option as well for that player. Do I love the notion of him at 31? No, I would love it if like, Hey, the chiefs traded down in the second round and that was their first pick, but it was picked like 45 or 38 or something like that. I would like that a little bit more because it meant they were getting more compensation. But if Jameer gets is the first chief play uh, player called on draft night, I don't think that that's that's the worst thing that could happen because I think you're getting and and something that has changed here too from Clyde Edwards-Alaire to Jameer Gibbs is that Patrick Mahomes has developed a lot 
in dumping the ball off to a running back. I don't think in 2018 or 2019, you could have Jarek McKinnon being second in the team in touchdowns and fourth in yards. So I think that's a huge step forward for the Chiefs. And go look at what the Patriots dynasty did with receiving running backs. That was something that they coveted and put an immense value on it. Now, there's different ways to win a championship. But Jameer Gibbs, if you're a Kansas City Chief, I'm not mad. I mean... Any other year where there's no B. John Robinson in this draft, Jameer Gibbs is running back one on the board, hands down. He's an electric player. He's a playmaker. He's that big play guy. Uh, but he also can handle the down-to-down responsibilities. I don't hate it. I don't hate Jameer Gibbs as a player. Do I want the Chiefs to take a running back at 31 that's not B. John Robinson? Probably not. But if they did it, in Veach we trust, baby. So, you know, I go for it. How- Why not? Why me, not? Yeah, let me ask you a question. Just totally off subject, but I just want to hear your answer. What week would it be before Chiefs fans stopped complaining about Bijan Robinson draft slot? Like NFL week. Was it week two? Week three at the latest. That Chiefs fans stopped complaining about drafting Bijan Robinson because they see what the result would be. When the Chiefs are hoisting the Lombardi trophy, and then <laughs> some people right. would still be saying, Well, we could have had Anton Harrison, you know, at 31. And then we could have had Dwayne McBride in the third round. And then we probably would have ran for an extra 500 yards because of the quality of the line, plus the depth of the position and all this sort of stop overthinking it, guys. Sometimes you just got to take the best player on the board. And there's not, if if B. John Robinson is there at 31, there's not going to be a better player on the board, but I'm not going to be talking about B. John Robinson here. That's not my guy that I'm going with. I'm going with Sam Laporta tight end. Iowa Hawkeyes, baby. You want to talk about a uh, receiving threat who could be the heir apparent to Travis Kelsey? This guy runs the most nuanced routes, I think, of almost any tight end coming out of this draft, not named Dalton Kincaid, right? Um, I I think he's the second best route runner of tight ends coming out of this draft. He's got natural soft hands, catches the ball well, turns up field, moves well in space. Um, he's athletic enough to get downfield. Uh, he's not a very good run blocker, but that's not why we'd be drafting him in this situation. We'd be drafting him as a wide receiver threat to, t- to take over for Kelsey and to learn from Kelsey. Um, I'm just a big fan of this guy. You just watch his tape and it just looks so natural and effortless. He just like, not just not to sound too hippy dippy on everybody here, but the guy moves like water when he's on the field, it's just so fluid. And, and when he comes in and out of his cuts, turns up field, everything he does, it just flows. And when you watch the guy, like, like, and you, you like, honestly, when you watch him play and then you see his, you, cause he's not the most athletic guy. He didn't put up the best combine numbers, but when you watch him play on tape, it, it doesn't matter. Like, like you see the guy and you say, this guy's a football player. This guy is a receiver and this guy knows how to get open. He knows to find space, how to find space in zones. And he knows how to make the most out of each opportunity. So I'm, I'm a real, real big fan of Sam Laporta tied in out of Iowa. Wow. Those are some good antibiotics that your doctor gave you. Uh, Sam Laporta, a beautiful body of water flowing like a like a gurgling stream. This is some good. Well, well, you're gotta... wrong. You're wrong. I haven't called the doctor yet. I'm I'm raw dogging this baby. So uh, I'm just uh, I hopped up on Dayquil right now. Okay, robo tripping. All right. So I, I don't disagree. You know, I think like you know, both of us took a tight end again. I think you're going back to the idea of 
when you're getting tight end two, three, four off the board, whereas you're getting offensive tackle like seven or eight, depending on when you go offensive tackle, wide receiver, five or six, kind of going back to the positional value here. Um, my player that I'm going to call for my last state your case is going to be kind of the same thing. Less valuable position, Keanu Bitten at pick 65 or somewhere around that vicinity. Here's the thing. Keanu Bitten is going to be a DJ reader level player as far as a run blocker. He would instantly probably be the best player that they've had beside Chris Jones. And he still offers quite a bit of upside as a pass rusher. I think what you wanted Jaron Reed to be maybe is what Keanu Bitten could be and have higher ceiling, right? Like that was kind of the hope is that you've got somebody who can actually do a little pass rush from the interior. Uh, Keanu Bitten's, you know, been one of the better run defenders in the country next to Massey Smith. Um, and honestly, I like Bitten a little bit more than Smith. And I think he could potentially be defensive tackle one or two taken off the board. Well, that's not true. Jalen Carter and probably Clyde Kansi. So he'll probably be three or four. But I think, honestly, him compared to those other players, they're, they're a different type of player. Like you're taking Jalen Carter, Clyde Kansi because of what they can do um, as far as a pass rusher and then the run also. Uh, Benton's run first and then pass rush upside. But I think his impact on the team would be immense. I think he would probably lead the team and snaps played by rookies, depending on unless they, you know, somehow get another offensive lineman. I just think that he would play a lot and the Chiefs would find a lot of value. Instant upgrade over Derek Nottie. And also the Chiefs really kind of need that type of player who can play on first and second down at defensive tackle. Right now, you're relying on Derek Nottie for that. Yes, we know Amenahu and some of the other players, uh, Mike Dana, that the Chiefs have like to kick inside. They could definitely use someone like that. So Keanu Benton, Defensive tackle out of Wisconsin, Kansas City Chiefs makes a lot of sense. I love Keanu Benton. Keanu Benton is my defensive tackle three in this class, and I think he's going to be a first round draft pick. I don't think there's any way that it, that the NFL lets Keanu Benton out of the first round. I and I think I think that makes a lot of sense for several teams. Like if you're the like I understand positional value, but if you're the Cowboys who have struggled to stop the run for a while now, like take Massey Smith, take take Keanu Benton, and you will not have regrets. Now, could you look at him and be like, oh, man, Zay Flowers went one pick later and turns out he's the next Justin Jefferson. Well, then you know what? You can be the Eagles who didn't draft Justin Jefferson. And what, what did the Eagles do this last year? Oh, yeah, they went to the Super Bowl. You're like, you know, pick high floor players that have a low level of bust. And, and if you just keep doing that and rolling it in year after year, it's going to work out for you. So, yeah, I, I don't see why a team doesn't think about doing that because I think the results are going to be positive. Well, you have so many teams that invest so much on the on the edges of their offensive line. Everybody thinks about pass rushers as edge rushers, right? And they think about pass protection as being tackles, right? Which means that there's a lot of soft middles to teams in the NFL. You want to zig when everybody else is zagging or bob when everybody else is weaving. Build your interior pass rush. And you put Keanu Benton next to Chris Jones. Yeah, Keanu Benton is run first. But that doesn't mean he can't rush the passer. And honestly, you see some of his reps. He's got a little bit of Chris Jones in him, like like a little baby Chris Jones is inside of Keanu Bitten. And I tell you what, you get Chris, jo- you get big Chris Jones next to little Chris Jones, and you get them working together and talking and going back and forth. And guess what? Little Chris Jones becomes medium Chris Jones next to big Chris Jones, and that's a handful, baby. And so I- I'm with you, man. I'm all about Keanu Bitten. And so, anyway, moving on though, my last guy, I'm gonna go with Miles Murphy. Now, Miles Murphy is a polarizing guy as far as pass rush goes. A lot of people are like, you watch him and you say, 
He's just a big guy who runs at the tackle, and if he gets past him, good. But he doesn't have he doesn't have a lot of pass rush moves. He he's 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 all traits, not a lot of not a lot of skill at this point. But guess what? Those traits have had some results. He's 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 had you know 14 sacks over the last two years. He's he's racked up a heck of a lot of, of pressures and hurries. Um, he he and he fits the Spags model. Guys, he's 6'5", 258, and he's just a freaky athlete. Like, you want to think he's like the Trayvon Walker type of mold type of guy, and maybe that didn't work out the best. Trayvon Walker shouldn't have never been picked number one overall last year. But if Trayvon Walker was picked number 31 last year, people are looking at him entirely differently. So, yeah, should Miles Murphy be the first edge off the board? No. Should he be the second edge off the board? No. But if he's still there at 31, then heck yeah, you run up front to get Miles Murphy at number 31 because he has all the traits that you're looking for. He has the size, the speed, the power. You just got to teach the guy how to play football a little bit better, you know? But I, I tell you what, any of these guys that you're getting at 31, they're kind of all the same way. Even guys like FAU aren't finished products, right? So you may might as well take the guy who has the highest upside and that would be Miles Murphy, you know, in spades. Yeah. And I, I think like a lot of what we're saying here can also probably be copy and pasted for Brian Brzee. A little different situation off the field with like why Brzee's stock has fallen some and why he could be taken at the back of round one. But Miles Murphy, he's raw, right? There's a, there's a lot of things with him and his traits that have yet to develop. He does have some, you know, he's got a pretty good spin move, but most of what he is, like you said, is just kind of straight bull rush. Also, I was looking at mock draftable for you for him whenever you're talking. Do you realize that he has like four percent hand size? It doesn't really matter for a pass rusher, but like he's got Kenny Pickett hands. I don't know. It just jumped out to me. Not sure why his hands are so small. But um, yeah, I mean, again, Miles Murphy, Brian Brzee, like if those guys are still sitting on the board for some reason for the Chiefs, let's say the big run on wide receivers happen, teams go really corner heavy. Yeah, I, I I have zero problem with either one of those names, especially Miles Murphy, because again, he's, he fits that spag threshold, and again, he can probably do the same thing that we've talked about everyone else doing: rush from the outside, kick inside as well. High, another high floor player, and yeah, you don't see a lot of him drafted because a lot of player, a lot of people think that he's going to fall or not going to fall that far. But also, no one thought that Trent McDuffie would be a chief, and here we are. So that would be pretty exciting. I I agree. I mean, I. I think that if Miles Murphy is your guy that you take in the first round, then you consider that a win. Um, moving forward, we're going to go on to our next section, and we're calling this one Let's Fight. All right, Price, you got your gloves on. You're ready to enter the octagon. We're going to fight over some stuff. We're going to each take a pro and a con stance, and we're going to argue the side and try to and let you guys decide what you think about it. So I'll, I'll give you the option on the first subject here, Price. We're going to say... The Chiefs should trade back in round one. I will happily support this cause. It, so, so you're taking they, the pro. Yeah, I do not care. I'll take the con then. Yeah, okay, I, I'll take the con. My chubby chubby ass will be sitting out there on the grass of Union Station, and I will not pout if the Chiefs trade back in round one, and you shouldn't either. They traded Tyreek Hill, and they won a Super Bowl. You can handle like the 15 minutes that you didn't get to see the Chiefs on the clock Thursday night for the draft. If that's why you're going out there for those 15 minutes, you're out there for the wrong reason. And personally, like Clark Hunt, I know you're listening. Thank you. Please like and subscribe. I promise we don't care. And you should just move on and realize what's best for the team. Now, here's the thing. You need a dance partner. 
So I'm not saying that the Chiefs have to trade down no matter what. They need someone to want to trade up. And frankly, there may not be a lot of players sitting at pick 31 that a team wants to go up unless someone wants to do the Lamar Jackson thing with like Cannon Hooker. But overall, I am very pro this stance. I think like when was one, what was some of the best drafts the Chiefs have had of recently? Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey, both in the second round. That worked out really well for them. You can absolutely find two two starters in round two and round three. And, you know, just keep keep rolling those picks back. So I'm absolutely for this. I Listen, is it the smart thing to do? Perhaps. But you know what's not the smart thing to do? Go against what your billionaire owner told you to do. Yeah, your billionaire owner hired you to do a job, and he trusts you in, the most, ca- in most cases. And you may have told him, yeah, but if in the right situation, I think that we might want to do this. And his response said, would would be something like, okay, we'll do what's best for the team, but man, I'd really like to see a first round draft pick happen. But do what's best for the team, but but as long as we have a first round draft pick. But you know what? If the right situation presents itself, do what you think is best. But man, I'd like to see a first round draft pick. Ah, you'll figure it out, right? And that in that situation, what that means? It means. I'm trying to be a nice guy. Read between the lines. Don't trade the first round draft pick. I did. I spent a lot of money, a lot of influence, and a lot of and a lot of uh, of goodwill at the league to get the draft here. And on the first night, it's the most important night, and it's a celebration of Chiefs Kingdom. It's a celebration of the Chiefs, and I want to see a name called. I just it's shocked me how dug in on everyone is on this. Like not you, not you, but just in general. Like everyone is either like, yeah, they should, they should consider it, or like, nope, nope, they're not going to. Like I almost want him to just to just to drink the tears, just to see everyone be super salty about it because they've just like I, I think it's probably a shade of gray, right? Like it's not black or white. It's not like one hundred percent you can or one hundred percent you cannot. It's probably like Clark, you know, this is a really good offer here. We've got, you know, two day, two extra day two picks here and another day three pick for pick 31. We don't really love what's on the board here. We feel like we can get good value. I think, I think they probably make it. it let's put it this way. If anyone else was in this situation, Brett Veach has positioned himself nicely to have the permission to trade down. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. If Brett Veach trades down, he's not doing it without the permission of Clark Hunt. Probably. I'll say that. I'll say that. And I'm not saying that 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 in an outside of this situation where I'm arguing vehemently that the Chiefs should pick at number one because that's the game, that I wouldn't be that, that I'd be crushed if the Chiefs traded back or whatever. But that but that's but, but here's the whole thing is Clark Hunt had to sign off on the Mahomes contract. Clark Hunt signed off on tra- trading Tyreek Hill. You know, whenever there are these major like organizational shifting moves. Yeah, Brett Veach has the leeway to to pull the final trigger, but he runs it by Clark Hunt first. Clark, none of this happens without Clark Hunt knowing about it. And so, if the Chiefs trade the first overall draft pick, it doesn't happen without Clark Hunt giving it the okay. You're probably you're probably right. Uh, you know, Daddy Warbucks does have to approve. Um, even though Annie's, you know, Brett Veach isn't quite little Annie. He, he's he's accomplished a lot. But moving on to our next one. The Chiefs should not take a tackle or edge at round one. I will support this. I will be pro this. The reason why is because the Chiefs are going, like, newsflash, no matter if the Chiefs add another player in the draft at these positions or not, or late free agency, the Chiefs will have a good offensive line and will have a good defensive line next year. There's too many good players on the team right now. Now, 
I think potential additions could make those groups elite, the best in the NFL or one of the best in the NFL. But that statement is not true about the wide receiver core and some other positions on the team, whether it be secondary wide receiver core, or, you know, if you want to go off the wall, tight end defensive interior, I don't think linebacker falls in that category. Additionally, those, those picks are going to be well scavenged over by the time pick 31 rolls around. Um, So yeah, I'm totally in favor of this. I think, you know, Wide receiver make a be a position to make a lot of sense. We you know we've heard him sniffing around corner a little bit too. I think that one could catch some people off guard as well. Listen, there's not a more important position in in any sport than the quarterback. You keep Patrick Mahomes upright, and he's going to win every single game. You give Patrick Mahomes as much time as possible, he could throw the ball to me and you and move the ball downfield. He'll find a way. To, to 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 scramble and run us open and then throw the ball to us. So you protect the franchise at all costs. You take a tackle no matter what, and you protect the franchise. Otherwise, if you're not going to do that, then what do you do? You attack the other team's franchise with everything that you have, and you try to knock their franchise on their butts. You try to rattle their franchise. You try to you try to put pressure on their franchise to make them do bad to sit, make them make bad decisions. So you invest in the edge rusher. You either build your line on one side of the ball or the other. And in any case, it's either to protect your franchise quarterback and to keep him upright, or it's to knock theirs on their butt. And if you're not doing one of those two things as your number one priority, then you're doing the wrong thing. And to that, I would just say the chiefs have, a lot of strengths up there. The Chiefs have continued to build through there already, and I know that that's an Andy Reid thing, but you have the trump card. You have the ultimate like trump card as far as the greatest player in the NFL. He already avoids sacks at a great rate. The Chiefs already have a great interior pass rush and have made a good move with Charles Aminahu and still have they just took a round one defensive lineman. I, I just think that, you know, if we're talking about what keeps Patrick Mahomes happy? I think weapons probably have the edge over offensive linemen simply because like the chiefs aren't running now a terrible offensive line next year. If, if it was awful, like if it was Miami dolphins offensive line, you could say like, well, but Patrick Mahomes would like, like for his safety to be good, but he's going to be fine. He's not going to, he's not in danger. So let's get this man some weapons. So he wants to stay in Kansas city his entire career. And there's never even an idea of like, Oh, well they didn't get him enough weapons. You know, the only thing that's going to stop Patrick Mahomes as if his legs go because he takes too many hits. I say, I say, take the Philadelphia Eagles approach to this man. Just keep adding quality people on both sides of the line. That's all that like, that's half of the Eagles whole philosophy right there is okay. We have a great offensive line. Let's get another great guy. We have great pass rush. Let's get another great guy. And you can't ever have too many, you know? And so anyway, but I digress. You guys make up your own decision. Let us know in Twitter on Twitter, which side do you agree on, on these, on these, on these questions come to the next question. The chiefs have to take multiple wide receivers in this draft price. Do you want to take the pro or the con on this? I guess for the sake of argument, I'll go con because I've been pro every time. And here's why I think the, uh, the notion that you're going to take a couple of wide receivers and then be instant impact players in this draft is a little, a little short-sighted considering some of the other holes on the roster and also just looking at what Andy Reid has as what he develops with wide receivers. And also, like, we say that the wide receiver room is really bad and not ready yet. And I think that's probably true. But I don't necessarily think that there's a spot for 
three more wide receivers. I think you kind of get to a point where you want to see what Kadarius Tony has. Obviously, you want to see what Sky Moore has. Marquez Valdez Scantling's at least here for one more year. You signed Richie James. You've got Travis Kelsey. Um, like all those feel like players that are 100% making the roster and have value. I don't think you want to get in a position where you're adding two or three more players to that and might walk away from a player that you like. And that's not even including like John and Justin Ross, right? Which we know are future MVP candidates. So for me, I think you pick your guy, you go get your guy, whether it is Quentin Johnson or Cedric Tillman, or maybe they like someone a little bit later in the draft, a Jaden Reed or something like that, and then just roll with them and, you know, just keep rolling this over. And I get the whole, like, let's throw multiple darts at the situation and hopefully find one. But wide receiver is kind of one of those positions that outside of day one, and even outside of day two, it starts getting really hard to find true contributors, truly great players. So use a premium asset on one and then try to plug all the other holes. I tell you what, the Chiefs have to take multiple wide receivers in this draft. What they have at the wide receiver position right now is not good enough. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in the world. And I know I just said, keep him upright and he can get us open. But that was the previous question. This is the now question. And you got to give your, your franchise quarterback as many weapons as possible. And I say, yeah, take Anton Harrison at 31. And then guess what? At 63, take a guy like Jonathan Mingo or A.T. Perry. And then guess what? At 95, take another wide receiver. And you know what? At 178, take another wide receiver. Take a take a uh, an Puka Nakua. Yeah, Puka Nakua or Andre Isolavas or whoever whoever your Landers. your Trey Palmers, right? Like get get some of those guys and and bring them in. And then guess what? Yeah, it may take them some time to to sink and, and get and get in the flow of the offense. But at least one of those guys is going to be somewhat productive. And we're building for the future here. Right, we're talking. If you get if you get mul- if you hit on multiple wide receivers in this draft, then we break the cycle of having to reload on wide receiver every single year. I think the Chiefs should take two wide receivers in every single draft. I mean, you just got to keep on developing new wide receivers for your franchise quarterback, and just keep and, and just keep them cycling through because you're not going to be able to resign them all. And you and if you can't if you can't attack through the air then what are you paying the guy $500 million for, right? If you're not going to give him the weapons that he needs. So I say just to keep on taking the swings, man. All right. Our next one here is going to be the best part about Easter. Is it the Easter egg hunt, which is obviously probably if you have kids at this point, I mean, maybe you're 32 years old and going on an Easter egg hunt. No judging. Don't judge me here. Um, an Easter basket or the candy I'm going to go honorable mention. I'm going to like completely just go off the wall here and say um, my favorite thing about Easter was uh, the time that I my I was at my family's house for Easter and the power went out because it snowed like a lot. The Royals were playing. It was like opening day or really close to opening day got snowed out. We were going to go to the Royals game for Easter. We'd kind of like done a little family tradition every time they had a home game on Easter. We went power went out. Um, my mom had like the ham and all the fixings set up for when we got back from the Royals game. We couldn't cook that because the power being out. So we went to the local Chinese restaurant and just like Chinese buffet, which you can never go wrong with just a big plate of goons. So uh, that was fantastic. But for the sake of this argument, um, I'm going to say candy is the best part. And I don't, th- I don't really think you can counter. I don't think you can. Are you kidding me? 
waking up on Easter morning, the excitement and the Christmas and the, and the, and the crisp the spring air, and just thinking to yourself, what did the Easter bunny bring me in my basket? Did I get a gigantic chocolate, chocolate Easter bunny? How can I spread all that fake grass all over my parents' living room and just make a huge mess? Uh, how many Hot Wheels are in my basket this year? I mean, whatever your guys' tradition is for Easter baskets, the basket is by far the best thing. It's like getting a second stocking in the same calendar year, you know, in in the same calendar year. Like it's almost like Christmas light, you know. And so there's nothing better than an Easter basket, except for one thing. And that was last year when I was smoking a ham and I injected it with bourbon. I had half a bottle of bourbon left. And then me and my buddy drank the other half of the bottle of bourbon while we were smoking the ham. That is the, that's the best thing that could happen on Easter. But other than that, it's having a second stocking and, a, and having an Easter basket and celebrating Easter and, and having the Easter bunny come and give you some nice trees to open. All this exercise is teaching me is that my family didn't give me a cool Easter basket. Like I, I did the Easter bunny stuff, but like the whole like basket with cool presents, second stocking vibes, that was a, uh, that wasn't really a thing for me as a kid. So I really need to like let my parents know that they clearly shorted me and like really hindered my development as a human being because Mr. Of, uh, and Mrs. Carter, the neglect. How dare you on behalf of my friend Bryce, you owe him an Easter basket. Last one. And you know, we're just going off the wall here. Best barbecue in Kansas city. Um, I, so here's my thing, actually, uh, this is my little blurb about Kansas city barbecue. We all get mad when someone says like, Oh, you know, this place in Texas has great barbecue. Like, Oh no, no, no. Kansas city's got great barbecue. Kansas city's barbecue should not be measured by its best barbecue. I get Q39 is really good. I get that Joe's is really good. I get Gates is really good. Pick your place. The thing that makes Kansas city great is the median barbecue, not the highs of the place. Right? Cause newsflash there can be really good food all over the place. And there probably are some really good barbecue places in Carolina. I've been to Memphis and had good barbecue out there, but what makes Kansas city great is that every barbecue place is dang good. Every one of them is good. What makes places like Texas or other places that aren't as good at barbecue is the fact that you can go somewhere else and get sawdust. That's called brisket. Right. So that's, that's my little thing is like, we need to stop being like, Oh, there's no way that Cincinnati has a good barbecue place. They, they, they very well might like, it's there's possible. no way that Cincinnati has a good barbecue place. <laughs> okay. It's not a chance. Okay. You, you might be right. I mean, it's, it's Cincinnati. They, they need to touch grass there anyways, but it's possible that there are other good barbecue places, but the meat, like what makes Kansas city great is the medium. The fact that you could walk into a barbecue place you've never heard of before. And it still be really good. Um, so for best barbecue place, I'm going to go the non-traditional route. I'm going to say it's Joe's. I know that that's kind of like chalky, but as far as a barbecue restaurant, it's a little non-traditional, but the reason why I think Joe's is the best is because they do everything so well, like other places like Gates or Arthur Bryant or Q39. I've had menu items there that I don't love as much. Q39 is kind of like pinky up barbecue. Same with like Jack stack, but Joe's everything they do so well their sides are so good like sometimes they'll get their dirty rice their gumbo's great the uh the fries are to die for onion rings like when i go there i'm getting like three or four sides and 
even like they make their own sweet tea. I'm drinking at least three or four cups of that and having to pee before I ever get home. Okay. Like Joe's it's, it's everything. They do everything so well. It's if I was going to take a, if I like, I've got a friend coming into town for the draft who lives in New Jersey and he wants to go to Casey barbecue place. I may not take him to Joe's because I want him to get the full experience. I want him to be intimidated by the, uh, the worker taking his order from gates. I want him to be feared, like have that fear in his heart when they're like, what do you want? And like, I, I don't know. Why are you yelling at me? But like overall, it's Joe's. Listen, I love me some Joe's. A rocket pig on Texas toast is my go-to. The Texas toast, Joe's. a real life hack, a real life hack. Real life hack, yeah. If, if you go to a barbecue restaurant and you and you open your barbecue food and there's not Texas toast underneath everything sopped up in grease and juices, then you're not at a real barbecue restaurant. And I'll stand by that. I'm, I'll take that to my grave. Um, Joe's is not going to be my number one here. I love Joe's. I eat Joe's probably almost more than I eat any other barbecue restaurant. I love Arthur Bryant's. Their rib tips might be my favorite barbecue dish in Kansas City. But if I'm going to go overall, favorite barbecue restaurant where everything I've ever eaten there is amazing, and I think that it's pound for pound the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City, and it doesn't get nearly the love it deserves, I'm going Danny Edwards Boulevard Barbecue down on Southwest Boulevard. Um, it's only open until 3 p.m. each day. It's only open for lunch, so it doesn't get nearly the love that some of the other places that are open for dinner get. But I'm telling you, man, you want to go pull, you want to go Carolina style pulled pork, you want to go ribs, you want to go fries and sides. I mean, pound for pound, nobody can smoke meat like Danny Edwards does. And it's it's the best stuff I've ever had. They have the most original barbecue sauce in Kansas City. And when I go, when I get into town, very first stop every single time I'm going to Danny Edwards. There's no arguing about barbecue. It's all good. It's all good. The only thing we can tell you is uh, Bengals fans, whenever you come into Kansas City, Dickie's Barbecue. Some of the finest barbecue you can have in Kansas City. Head right to Dickie's. Or Famous Joe's. Yes, Famous famous Joe's, also very good. Um, those, are, those are your go-to places. Also, Quick Trip has a mean pulled pork. And uh, if you go to Hy-Vee, you can get some Casey Masterpiece barbecue sauce to put over it all, and it'll just fix the flavor. Perfect. Okay, last activity for today. We're going to predict what position goes for the Chiefs at each one of their picks. So obviously these are a little intra-dependent, right? So if the Chiefs take a wide receiver at pick 31, they're less likely to take another wide receiver, Um, especially if you're taking a position that they only need one of, right? If they take an offensive tackle at pick 31, they're probably not taking another one unless it's like a developmental swing tackle. Um, Rocky, do you want to like us both state which we think it is, or maybe we alternate? Like you pick one, I pick one. Let's alternate. Okay. I'll let you have pick 31. All right. Pick 31, I think ultimately when it all comes down to it, the Chiefs are going to go edge rusher at pick 31. I think there's just going to be too many names on the board, and they're just going to take the one they like the best. I think you're probably right. I think they see the success that they had with George Karloftis, think that they can do that again. Honestly, I think that the edge rush class is a little bit more deep here as well from last year, and I think you're right. Like Andy Reid loves building through the trenches. They feel about a player or two away at that position. You know, I think we've all, Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap, had that conversation enough times to know that that's a possibility. Edge rusher, like if, if I was a betting man, that's where the most most of my money would be. Um, at pick, th- pick 63, this one's a little tough because I re- this is where like I really feel like 
a trade up is possible. Like I feel like the Chiefs, are, if they're going to trade up, it could be in round two. They really like someone like a Cedric Tillman or someone like that. Wide receiver feels really like likely, but like I've got a couple of mocks here lately that Julius Brent has fallen to me, and I feel like the Chiefs would love him as a player. And th- this feels like kind of like a, a conundrum of do you go best player available or position of need? Round two feels like a no man's land for me at wide receiver because I feel like you either get one of those four or five. And then round two kind of starts becoming that no man's land. We're like, well, are we gambling on Michael Wilson's injuries? Or, you know, do we think we could integrate Tank Dell as a regular contributor? And then kind of, I don't know. I could also, like, round, the end of round two is basically round three. And then, like, you know, your Cedric Tillman's, Jonathan Mingo, um, Jaden Reed start coming in. I guess I'm going to go wide receiver. I, you know, I, I feel like that's the safest money. Wide receiver picks uh, second pick. All right, you're going wide receiver the second pick. Then at that case, we have to start looking at, okay, so what offensive tackles are still on the board? Uh, even if the Chiefs don't take a top-end offensive tackle in this in this draft and they think, think they can go with Lucas Niang at right tackle, they need a swing tackle still, right? And so we're looking at our Jalen Duckins, our Tyler Steens, um, those sort of guys who are still on the, still on the board. Um but then you also have defensive tackles starting to come in here. You have your Kobe Turners around this range as well. Um, some of your like your um, your 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 Moro Jomos, that sort of guy. Uh, I'm gonna go defensive tackle. She's taking defensive tackle at 95. I like it, and I definitely think there's a lot of good players there. Round four, pick 122. This is where it really starts getting interesting. Um, it feels like the least likely positions are probably interior offensive line and linebacker. Um, I'm not going to do a cop out and say like secondary though. I think like safety could still be on the board. I'm going to go corner here. I feel like there's probably a player that they like in this, in this span, like a control Clark makes some sense here. Um, Hodges from TCU makes some sense here as too. Um, they seem to have really had success here. And I know a lot of us look at corner and think that it's close to being done, but I think, you know, you want the ability to possibly move on from luxurious need. So um, Jacorian Bennett's another name that I really like for the Chiefs. Super flexible, um, plays in the slot, plays safety, plays corner. Um, I know it's kind of crazy. Deontay Banks is going to be the first corner drafted from that team, but um, I definitely think he would be a name that the Chiefs could like as well. So I'll go, I'll go corner. Nice. I like, I like the cornerback there. Um, All right. Pick round four, pick 134 coming up. Just uh, 12 picks after that one. She said two fourth-round draft picks this season. Ah, oh, man. So there's a couple of different places the Chiefs could go here. The Chiefs could start to look at maybe double-dipping an edge rusher here and seeing who's still on the board. The Chiefs could start looking for a running back, a possible third-down running back, a guy like Kenny McIntosh, um, who, who could still be on the board at this point um, to move forward with, or, or Dwayne McBride. Uh you know, the Chiefs could. They're not going to be looking tackle, I don't think, in round four at this point. I think if they're going to take a guy, they're going to be looking later in the draft from here on out. I'm going to say running back. I'm going to say running back at the end of round four. Yeah, and I think the end of round four is probably kind of the cliff there. I think you start kind of getting into your real developmental players or one de- um, one-dimensional one players there, you know, like a Keaton Mitchell, someone that could still be there. Um, maybe Devon A. Shane is another name that could be there. Um after that, it kind of starts becoming a lot more limited. There's definitely value to be had there. Uh, now we're, we're really in the weeds here. Round five, 
I'm, I'm going to go off the wall here. I'm going to say that they kind of get back into looking for another player like a Darian Kennard, a developmental player that might have some tackle upside, could also kick inside. Um, we were talking in the group chat a little bit about Nick Saldaveri. He's a player I, I think is probably gone by then, but all of our AP film guys really like him as a tackle. Some people think they could be a guard. His arms aren't the longest, but they're not like ultra short. He's a player that I would love to see here. But honestly, I think that there's quite a few players that I don't think that the Chiefs should just totally be against the idea of improving the interior of the offensive line. I think they're about a year away from being able to move on from Joe Tooney. Um, and I, I think like you just want to keep plugging and playing there. And I think they definitely can get a good player there at that position. So I'm going to go into your offensive line. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. I think that anytime you're building on the line, then it's, it's not a waste of draft pick. Okay. So now we're going round six, pick 178 to the Chiefs. I'm going to say at this point, this is where the Chiefs start to double dip in a couple of positions. And they're either going to be double dipping in edge rusher or wide receiver at this point. And I think that in this range is where you start looking at the Matt Landers, Puka Nakua's, those type of guys, um, the Elijah Higgins, maybe even the Bryce Ford Wheatons. So if he's still there, um, if his combine didn't push him up higher. Um, so I'm going to go with at round six, pick 178, the Chiefs go wide receiver again. And so I think that the Chiefs, I just think the thing, I just think that the Chiefs are going to want to arm Patrick Mahomes with as many weapons as possible. Um, and you know, honestly, we we're kind of going back and forth about that. I, I don't think that there's, I don't think it's a bad idea to probably maybe double dip a little bit at the wide receiver position. I definitely think like, Hey, we don't have to have John Ross on the roster. We don't have like, you know, we, we like to think that they've signed some good players in the offseason that could add some depth to that position. But ultimately I don't think any of those players like have to be safe on the roster. You would love for a rookie to push them out because of what they've shown in the preseason and during training camp. Um, I have the next pick, which is pick 217, a compensatory pick in the sixth round. And here I'm going to go off the wall again. I'm going to say quarterback. I think it's time to start continue to look for a developmental quarterback enough with the whole like, oh, the Chiefs could flip a developmental quarterback um, for draft picks if they look in the preseason. No one's doing that. There's enough good backup quarterbacks in the league. But I do think that, you know, you I, I do think that the Chiefs have room to improve in that position. I think they're to a point now where they don't necessarily need a wily old veteran to kind of help Patrick Mahomes develop and grow in the film room. So, you know, this is where you Tanner McKees, your Aiden O'Connell, maybe you're feeling good about Stetson Bennett. I'm not necessarily sure what player you want, or maybe just go off the wall and try to go for like a run first guy. Um, just do something completely different with the offense if Mahomes were to go down. But I do think that as we've seen in Kansas City, backup quarterbacks are important. Um, they probably don't have either Super Bowl without good performances for some backup quarterbacks. I, I wouldn't mind seeing like a Malik Cunningham here talking about a, a run first type of guy. Um, all right, round seven, pick 249. We can't let the Chiefs get out of the draft without taking a tackle, and they haven't taken one yet. So I think that the Chiefs are looking for a possible developmental guy here that they that they could prop that they could take, you know, at the back end of the draft and then maybe you know, stash on the practice squad for a year um, and then and then maybe develop them into a starter someday. Maybe your, your Trevor Reeds, your Warren McClendons, you know, your um, your your McClendon Curtises, those sort of guys. Um, maybe you're an Earl Bostic Jr. We know that's a guy that they that they that they've had their eye on a little bit, you know, tackle out of Kansas. So I'm going to say seventh round Chiefs take a shot on a developmental tackle. Not bad, not bad. And with the last pick, 250, 
So back-to-back picks here. You know what? I don't even know. I, I'll be honest. I've spent zero seconds of my life reading special teams prospects, but Tommy Thompson's about to get paid. He's been one of the best punters in the NFL. The Chiefs ain't paying a punter. If they ain't paying Tyreek Hill, they're not paying you, Tommy Townsend. So we're getting a developmental punter. Um, we'll bring him into camp. Hopefully we can sneak him on into the 53. And Tommy Townsend is going to be Tommy Town gone next season. And we're just going to put a, another punter on the roster. Oh, the hair. The hair is gone. Legolas. Sorry, Tommy. We love you, Tommy, but it's been a good run. You got your ring. Best of luck in your in your next endeavor. So that's gonna that's gonna about wrap it up for us today. Um, Price, thanks so much for uh helping carry some of the load with me being a little bit under the weather today. And uh and as always, you know, you're you're the you're the Michelle to my Beyonce. <laughs> And this uh, two-person Destiny's Child. Pretty, pretty sure Beyonce's married there. to Jay Z, not Michelle. But we'll let it slide. We're talking we're talking Destiny Child, pre Jay Z. We're talking sorry. when Beyonce was the ultimate queen. I was kind of sisters ho- and Destiny kind of hoping, Child. I was kind of hoping I could be as cool as Jay Z, but that's fine. Only only two more shows left until the NFL draft. So um, I think maybe next week we might do our player pool where we're kind of kind of just pick like which players we think are most likely to be Kansas City Chiefs. That'll be a little bit fun. Probably got to get one more mock in. And then afterwards, we got all the players to talk about and how we think it all went. So very, very exciting. Um, Rocky, best wishes. Hope you feel better. Yeah. And, and guys, stay tuned as we as we as we move forward throughout the week. Uh, we sell the editor's show on Wednesday. We're coming out with these draft profiles each and every single day. If you've seen them on the site, these are guys that are either top 30 visits for the Chiefs or guys that are film guys that we that we really, really like and we've had our eyes on. Also, Friday's AP Draft Room with Ron. Uh, follow, like, subscribe. Um, at Arrowhead Price, at Rocky Magana. If you think that we've done a good job here, you know, please leave us a five-star review. Um, as always, thank you very much for the privilege of your time and have a wonderful week. Happy Easter. And we'll catch you guys on the flip side.